I'm R.J. Bell with the Sports Buddy for Friday. Russell Wilson, it's all people have been talking about. We've got the odds. First off, will he be with Seattle next year? The betting market says 80% chance he stays with Seattle. Issue two, where does he go if he goes anywhere? Well, we've got the five favorites. The Raiders, Dallas, then Miami, New Orleans, Chicago. What's interesting is Miami, the third favorite, wasn't even on the initial list. Tonight in the NBA, the Lakers on a four-game losing streak. AD still out. They host Portland. Lakers at home, favored by five. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. Live on a Friday, live in Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. This is a special show. And how so? It's special in that we're going to spend a lot of time on Russell Wilson. And why is that? Well, one, let's be honest. Do we really want to break down college basketball? But two, more, <laughs> more importantly, maybe Jonas does. I don't. Jonas, you're not a college basketball like Evansville versus Illinois State guy, are you? Not when Russell Wilson might get traded, no. Exactly. Yeah. If you have to be, he is. Now, that is a radio guy right there telling the truth. <laughs> but the fact is, I think this Russell Wilson situation encompasses things across sports, the evolution, the direction, the themes and maybe even in society. Boy, that sounds more important than Evansville. I mean, to me at least. Now, I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And, yes, there is a full slate of college basketball this weekend. We've also got some NFL stories that are out there that are stirring up some conversation about potential moves in the league. But what is the Vegas lead here for us on this Friday? Evansville is hosting. They're, they're on the bubble. Now, we're going to do a ton of NCAA tournament, you know, because I love the tournament. Oh, wow. Because the brackets especially, because it's something you can be a casual fan and engage in. But, Jonas, we know we're going to start Russell Wilson, but I'm going to start a little differently by asking you a question. Let's say you had um, your wife's friend, and she's not a sports fan, but she heard about Russell Wilson and some hubbub. If she said, what's the story, Jonas? What is the story, Jonas, from your perspective? The latest story is Russell Wilson was unhappy that he didn't have more of a say in either offensive game planning or personnel decisions. And so he went public with it. And the Seahawks, in my opinion, they went public with their displeasure. And that's why the article came out in The Athletic, which resulted in Russell Wilson's agent going to Adam Schefter and saying, we would like to stay in Seattle, but if we were going to get traded, here are the four teams we'd be open to. 
Okay, so what I heard there was you think Seattle responding through the athletic story was an escalator, that wherever the temperatures were, that response escalated height or heated up the temperature. Yeah, that's my okay. opinion, yeah. Now, and how let's let's gameplay this. Let's assume Seattle didn't escalate things that way. Where does it go? Like, wh- where do you think the evolution of this is? Because the, the, the anyone that's seen 13 Days, uh, a real good movie, Kevin Costner was in it. It was about the Cuban Missile Crisis. And it was the idea that every individual decision up until the brink of nuclear war was the right decision. Meaning each of the sides said, well, if we let them put missiles in Cuba, then it's going to mean this. So we've got to do a blockade. And then the Russians are saying, well, if they're going to dictate if we can go to Cuba or not, they might dictate if we can go to Germany. So we've got to do that. It's each step made sense, but each step escalated things. And then what JFK did, and again, he's the type you could say is overrated in a way, but I'm not sure you could ever be overrated as a president if you literally saved the world, because it was probably only JFK that was able to stop this escalation. And he took a broader perspective and said, yeah, maybe it's the right situation narrowly, but where's it going to go? So on one hand, I see Seattle saying, wait a minute, we've done a lot of things right here. He's bad-mouthing us effectively. We got to kind of push out and say, hey, he's not perfect either. I get where that would make sense. Do you feel like they could have not done that and still kept their credibility and somehow this get resolved? And the real question isn't, does Russell Wilson play for Seattle next year? It's does Russell Wilson play for Seattle in an environment that can win a Super Bowl? Meaning, yeah, you could just give the player anything he wants always, and he probably won't leave, but are you winning any Super Bowls that way? So do you feel like Seattle was unnecessarily uh, escalating, or do you feel like it was reasonable? Uh, no, I, I, I was okay with it, just from the sense that Russell Wilson took the first shot here. He decided to go public with this stuff. And and really the essence of the athletic article is Russell Wilson you know, wanted more control before a game la- this past season. They said no, and he stormed out of the office. And one of the other quotes that was attributed in the article from The Athletic is them saying, you know, long story short, Russell's now being held accountable. And this is a PR move by Russell Wilson. And now he's trying to save face. So I think Seattle was Mm. really upset about him making the rounds, calling out the organization and his team. And they said, "Okay, well, then here's our response to it. And now with Russell Wilson's latest response, I think this goes one of two ways. They get together and they have a conversation about this and figure out a way to coexist. Or I think Russell Wilson's going to get dealt. Now, the odds are saying there hasn't really been an upgrade in the likelihood of him being dealt from yesterday. Now, remember, yesterday was a big increase in the odds, where it was kind of like most people I knew were 98-2, kind of he stays, 98%, and it went to 80% that he stays. That was the big jump. And we had talked about it, I think, even uh, early that day, is the idea of, boy, it seems like this has gone from posturing, just typical kind of posturing. Maybe yeah. it was about financial, a little bit more money, to like, uh-oh, there's a real conflict here. Seattle is making, I think, an undebatable case in the following way. There's a finite amount of money a team gets to spend on its roster. That's the salary cap. Now, you can push it down. You can kick the can down the road. 
But like we're seeing with Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has kicked the can down the road, and everyone's saying Big Ben's not worth forty million and they're, or forty-one million. They're right, but twenty-four or so of that is going to be the case no matter what. They just kicked it, kicked it, kicked it down the road. So now the question is: Is Big Ben worth eighteen million or whatever? That's a different debate. But what we know unequivocally is the salary cap does have consequences even though you can defer them like you can your bills with a credit card, but then it comes due. So if you have a quarterback that's on a rookie deal, you can spend a lot of money on other players. If you have a quarterback that's one of the most highly paid players in the NFL, like Russell Wilson, now you don't have money to spend on other players And what do you have to do? That quarterback better excel in a way that overcomes that. And if you look at the Super Bowl winning teams in the modern era, let's say 2011 on, it's one of two things. A Hall of Famer, like someone so good, Tom Brady at the center of that, Peyton Manning. Uh, Now, Mahomes was both probably playing like a Hall of Famer, but on a rookie deal. But the other category is the rookie deal. And now you've got extra money. And you think about it, that's what the Rams did. When they got Goff all the way to the brink of a Super Bowl, it was because they were able to get Peters in the secondary. They were able to pay Sue, another lineman, on top of Donald. It's one of two ways. And the question is, how has Seattle done since Russell Wilson got highly paid? And let's just look at the playoff situation. So the first three years, and you could even say the first five years, Seattle's done exceptionally well. 2012 was Wilson's first year. All right? They played two playoff games his first year, which means they won one, right? Because you're always going to lose your last one unless you win the Super Bowl. Next year, they won the Super Bowl, three and three. Next year, they had three playoff games. They lost the last one, right? That was when they lost on the short play instead of beast mode. Then they had one win. And one win. So in six, from 12 through 16, they won one or more playoff games every year. Pretty darn impressive. And oh, by the way, was the rookie de- the five years of the rookie deal, you'd say, even if they did the re-sign a little early because they restructure it in a way that, you, like Mahomes, usually that first year is still really cheap because they want one more great bite at the apple. But now, since Russell Wilson's been paid highly, in 2017, 18, 19, and 20, if you look at it, it's a situation where, and let's let's take a gander at this. Oh wow, this is I mean this is just shocking. One one playoff win since 17. So four seasons, Seattle's won one playoff game. So I get the idea, man, I wish the O-line was better, Jonas, but if you have one playoff win in four years, but it's the same staff, it's the same organization that got you to two Super Bowls, and if you actually stack rank from Russell Wilson's first year and said, who's got the most wins in the NFL? I just care about who has the most wins. Number one is the Patriots. Number two is Seattle. And number three is the Chiefs. We were debating this, right? Yeah. But the Chiefs are seven games behind. So literally, it's Patriots have 119 wins, Seattle 107, Chiefs are 100, and no one else is 100. So Seattle's not only second, 
but they're in another stratosphere from everyone else except the Patriots. And literally, the problem is supposedly the ineptness of the coach or the ineptness of the front office. That oh, Seattle, you know, they just they've they've fallen so short that Russell Wilson has a right to be mad. Now I know you can flip that and say, well, Seattle's won because of Russell Wilson, and you're right. But there's been two Russell Wilson eras when he's been cheap. And when he's been expensive, and in the expensive era, four years, Seattle has one playoff win. Is it really now the organization's fault? Or is it maybe the reality of the NFL that if you're not a super Hall of Famer, it's hard to win with an expensive quarterback? And maybe you got to accept this is the level of a quarterback like Russell Wilson, which is really good, if, but maybe not great. Maybe not one of the all-timers. And a guy like that makes the playoffs most years. And, you know, maybe we'll have a run every five years. Because it seems to me that's the reality in the NFL. And maybe no one's at fault. Maybe both parties have done a hell of a job. But somehow, some way in today's society, someone's got to be mad, it seems like. Thoughts? Yeah, and, and also, the one playoff game, if I'm not mistaken, the one playoff game he's won since they started paying him the big money was against Philadelphia, and that was because, I'm not saying because of, but that was also the game in which Carson Wentz was knocked out of the game by Jadevian Clowney. So even in that game, that was, a, that was Josh McCown that they beat in a playoff game. So I just... And, and I think Seattle's got a, a le- legitimate gripe to be upset about the way that this was handled. And that's why I just wonder, you know, how you know, how ugly is this thing going to get? Because there's been some other reporting that's been out there that before the 2018 draft, John Snyder talked with uh, the uh, the Browns a general manager at the time. His name is slipping my mind. But they had the number one pick of the draft, uh, uh, Dorsey. And he talked to him and said, look – I'm not saying this is something that's uh, that's available, but what would you think of a potential deal for the number one pick that involved Russell Wilson? And that's because that was before they were going to give him the contract. Uh, they, they gave him that big contract extension. So it feels like Seattle's at least sniffed around at the possibility of life without Russell Wilson, but I don't think they've ever been as close as they are now just based on what's happened. And I think if anything at that time, it's a sign of Seattle being aware. Russell Wilson, maybe the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the NFL, but maybe you can't win Super Bowls with the fourth or fifth best quarterback getting paid that much money, which brings us to Dak. So when we come back, we'll finish up the Russell Wilson part of this. But now what does this mean for Dak? Because by most accounts, and by my account, Russell Wilson's better than Dak, but Dak wants more money. That's when we come back. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I disagree with innovation. I disagree with protocol. If you 
I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a closer look at another quarterback situation to watch over the next several weeks. All right, now listen, Jonas. Tell me if you know what this is. That's me opening a Coke Zero. That means I'm serious. It's like fueled up because... I think we're really tapping into the, the key of the NFL. And I've got right here a, a piece of paper that has how much, what percentage of the cap has the winning quarterbacks been in the modern era? And let me tell you, it really makes you think. It's a great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. We'll keep living up to it. I promise you that. Right here in Vegas on the Strip. And by the way, the weekends, if you miss any of the shows, you can just listen to the podcast. Just search straight out of Vegas or RJ Bell and you'll see it. Listen, it's free. Catch up over the weekend. In Vegas on the Strip, 66 degrees, the neon is flowing. And one of the teams that are rumored to be on the OK list for Russell Wilson, if you were to approve a trade, is the Dallas Cowboys, who have their own issue at quarterback, and that's whether or not they sign long-term their quarterback, Dak Prescott, or give him the franchise tag. Boy, I tell you, it was interesting today. For the first time, I heard the following. Hmm, maybe Dak's overplayed his hand. And it's like, all I've heard now for two years almost, or I guess a year, is why hasn't hasn't Jerry Jones stepped up and paid the man? Pay the man. It's like, well, what should they pay him? It's like, whatever he wants. What? Because, like, no one really understands, it seems like, and I don't either, exactly what the offers were, right? You reported it, and... We don't know for sure, but it, it was literally two, almost two years ago where it was like supposedly at the last minute he turned down 33, 33, 5 or something per year, right? And, and, and that was out there in the media. Yeah, it, there was something along. I mean, this, there's been so many twists and turns in this yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in in the ballpark, in between 31 and 35, I've heard. That yeah, and that was right. The first, it was the first reasonable time they could have signed him, and yeah. everybody said, "Okay, no big deal. He'll be fine." And he played his his fourth year, which remember he wasn't a first round pick, so there is no fifth year option. So he played his fourth year. Then it was like, hmm. He didn't get signed this time because the debate was either four or five years. So this would have been before last season. And, but the money apparently was fine, and it was up to like 35 or 36 or whatever. Money was fine, but Dak wanted one last year and wouldn't sign. And it's like, wow, okay. So he goes on the whole other year. Last year, and got hurt. That year was the year, and, and then obviously at that point they had to franchise him, is – that was the year that, that I was really surprised when he did the fourth year because he was broke relative to an NFL quarterback. And I think that's so important to realize is that these guys have agents. These guys, these players, they've got expenses. They start buying people houses. And again, they should. They, they, they just became the best in the world at what they do. And it's a billion-dollar business. They should have all of the toys they want. They should have generational wealth. It's just we can't act like no matter what the players ask for, it's okay, that they deserve it because there's a finite amount of money. And the funny thing about all this money talk is you can debate should there be a salary cap or not, but there is. And by the way, it's signed for 10 more years. There's a, this system is the system in the NFL. Think of how old you're going to be in 10 years. 
that's when we're going to be talking about this next. All right. So at that, you know, every dollar Dak takes is one less dollar another cowboy doesn't make. And you can say, well, Dak shouldn't worry about that. I said, probably not, though you probably hope he worries about how good the team's going to be. But maybe ultimately he should only worry about himself. I don't know, but you could see it. But either way, it's not the owners paying up more. The owners are paying a set amount with, you know, and again, you can push it down the road and say some of this might some teams are gonna pay now, some teams are gonna pay later, but in the long run, they're all paying. And now the players are splitting the money up. So any talk about, yeah, put it, stick it to the man, it's just misdirected. So what what Dak did, and I said at the time to you, Joan, is him not taking the money before his fourth year was a big statement. And once he got through that, I don't know how he did or if he took loans or if he had insurance, but once he got through that, it was all gravy for him because last year he got paid $31 million, which is hard to complain. This year it's like 37 if he signs the tag. And then he's free because, I mean, the next year is like 51. Or, I mean, they, they can't sign him really for the third tag. And then he could go anywhere he wants. The reason that almost every quarterback signs and stays with the team that drafted him. And once again, let's go back. What quarterback has a team wanted that's ever left off his rookie deal? And I would make the case none. Because the two quarterbacks that's been the best that left after the rookie deal would be Breeze. But at the time, the Chargers didn't want him relative to they wanted um, Phillip Rivers. If I'm recalling correctly, and then yeah, and then finally, Cousins, who yeah, they kind of wanted him, but they kind of didn't with Washington. They wanted him cheap. Dak is clearly better than what Breeze was considered at the time, and clearly better than what Cousins. Dak would be the best quarterback to leave the team he signed with, without a set or he was drafted by without a second deal. Now you can say Peyton Manning left, but it was like four deals down the road. That was a unique situation. Brady left, but it was seven deals down the road. This is breaking ground. What Dak is doing, potentially, would be the first time a top 10 quarterback left the team and drafted him without signing a second deal. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and it almost feels like they're in a position now to where nothing other than, because it's taken so long to get this done, that franchising him this second time makes the most sense. Just feels like it makes the most sense. I don't even think – I don't even think – you mean compared to signing him or compared to letting him go? Letting him go is not an option, really. Yeah, I mean, I just think that this has taken so long that maybe Dallas is better served. All right, let's let's give this another year on the franchise tag, and if it doesn't work again, then maybe we clean shop, we get a new head coach, we give Mike McCarthy the boot, and then we try and find a quarterback and a coach to pair up afterwards. Now, the catch-22 there is that Jerry Jones yeah. is almost 80 years old, mm-hmm. and he has not won a Super Bowl since 1995, 25, 26 years. And imagine he won three in his first like seven or eight years or seven years. And then to think, hey, by the way, you're going to turn 80 and not win another Super Bowl, but keep the Cowboys. He'd be like, no way. The guy wants a last one. There's no doubt. Now, does he deserve it? I don't know about deserve. I know he's a billionaire that wants something. And that means he's going to move heaven and earth to do it. And it makes you wonder why 
didn't he sign Dak? Let's say that you're right. That, that, that Dak was, or not that you're right, but other speculation is maybe Dak's asking for a little too much, overplaying his hand. You think Jerry Jones cares about that last $3 million? For him, it's like what 20 bucks is to a normal person or an average person. Now, what I will say is, since there is finite money with the Cowboys cap, to some degree he's thinking, every dollar I give Dak is a dollar I can't pay a lineman or, or whatever. But then why did he overpay seemingly everyone else on the team? Zeke overpaid, defensive player. It's like every contract Dallas has signed in the last five years, the analysis has been, huh, kind of on the pricey side. Would you agree with that? that that's been the, the, the expert analysis that Dallas has been overpaying. Yeah, and they haven't worked out well. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott's deal hasn't been well. Demarcus Lawrence, um, they gave him a big-time contract. He hasn't played up to, up to his up capabilities. To the, yeah. and, and Amari Cooper got $20 million a year. And, and, he, and maybe they would have lost some of those guys. But what a Belichick does, what Steelers do, is also, and what Seattle does, it seems, is say, we're going to pay you. We'll pay you a little extra if you're especially good or especially good to the city. Big Ben's gotten some good deals, but in general, we're going to keep within financial reason because if we don't, there's too much of a consequence. We can't win if we don't. So why does Jerry Jones, if he's spending like a sailor on leave because it's his last go around in his mind, why get price conscious with the most important player? I don't think he did. I, I think when this is said and done, I've never said this. I think we're going to find out that Dak would have never signed for anything. Oh, I mean, I guess fifty mil. I think that, I, from what I understand, the agent got involved, and the whole tenor changed with the new agent, and that this agent wanted to explore the Kirk Cousins scenario, which is, well, wait, what, what happens if we got a guy as good as Dak, a guy that is key in the community, a guy that has a, a ton of endorsements? If we just say we're not, we'll, we'll negotiate with you, but we're probably not going to sign. And when this is said and done, we'll be free when he's like, what, 26 years old, 20, whatever, you know, a very young free agent. And we would have been paid $70 million almost up to that point, And we got total freedom. And then we're going to break the bank because the whole world's going to. I mean, think about it. People are talking about um, Watson and that it's four number ones. But you know what? You're paying four number ones to get a really good quarterback that's already on a $40 million contract. After a year from now, it's going to be a situation where Dak is, how much less of a quarterback is he than Watson? Let's say a couple slots, I think. Watson maybe four, three, and Dak's maybe seven or eight. But what would you rather have? Dak on a $40 million deal and you give up nothing except the money, or Watson on a $40 million deal, and you gave up four first-round picks plus the money. That is going to be the choice for Dak, or if you get Dak next year. I would take Dak, because I'm not giving for away sure, that many right? assets. Yeah, I'm not giving away that much. Yeah. So, in a way, the genius of this is the system was screwed up. The system was, we think the players are going to so want that money their last year on the rookie deal that they're going to sign no matter what. And as long as the team offers something fair, they're going to just sign. And it's what happened with Mahomes. It's what happened with Watson. They just signed because, you know what? 
we can act like the deal doesn't exist, too, is another option. I take the money and then say, well, we want to go wherever we want to go. But forgetting that element of it for a second, this is actually brilliant. That If Dak only cares about his agent the money and where he plays, and really, what else should he care about? I mean, the fans in Dallas? Yeah, I agree. But, boy, that's a weird balance. You know, Your own life versus the fans is – as long as he was getting the endorsements, as long who knows how much insurance he bought, right? He might have had so much insurance bought, no matter what happened, he was fine. That in the end of this process, Dak would dictate where he goes. It would be a good team because the team wouldn't have to give up a ton or anything, and he could get a ton of money. And the funny thing about it, he could be in a more competitive, like he could go to San Francisco, like like a year from today. Dallas will not be able to franchise him a third time financially. It just is impossible. So Dak is going to say, hmm, maybe San Fran. Hmm, maybe Miami. How cool would that be? What player has ever been in that spot except Peyton Manning? But Peyton Manning had so many neck surgeries, no one knows how healthy it was going to be. Dak will be healthy in theory. In a way, Jonas, I think as we start seeing the end game, can't we make the case that Dak and his agent – was the first one to see the flaw in the system. Yeah, and I, my only thing is that's really risky when you haven't made a lot of money to just want to continue to play out on these one-year deals in order to get that big contract at the end and pick where you want to go. And I don't – I if, they, if nothing gets done this year, if Dak hasn't seen his own mortality based on the injury he suffered last season and they don't get a deal done this year, then that tells me there's definitely more than meets the eye with this story. I think you could flip what you just said, actually, which is it went almost as bad as it could – by him getting hurt. And is there any sense he has any less leverage right now? Meaning that was about as bad of an injury. I mean, I know there's one more level of injury that happens like a couple times a decade kind of stuff, but otherwise it went as poorly as it could injury-wise, and he's still in the driver's seat. And it's his first injury. He's not Carson Wentz. He's not some of these other quarterbacks that are injury-prone. The advantage he always has was he was durable. You could count on him to start every game. He bailed them out because of injuries, and now he's you know just suffered his first major one, and it was a bad one and a gruesome one. Last thing, I think when it all gets written, what we're going to find out is the combination of the endorsements for Dak and the sophistication in the market now for insurance, that Dak probably had $100 million or so of insurance. It probably cost him like $7 million, but he, he, he just took out endorsement money, I'm guessing, and bought insurance, and now he's like, I can't lose. Because if you're so poor, you can't buy insurance, that's one thing. Dak had enough flow coming in that he was going to be, even if he spent all that on insurance, and then he got a loan, because you know he can get it. Once you got the insurance, you can get a loan off the insurance. That's what I'm guessing we saw. And as the millions become billions, there's more sophisticated agents, and you're seeing the way high-level business is done. And quite frankly, some of these NFL owners are not up to it. And I think the agents probably have an edge right now on the owners when it comes to sophistication. Speaking of that, I think the agents are part of the problem, if you mean the problem is the way the leagues are going. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. Okay, now I'm confused. I'm a Steelers fan. So you're saying Big Ben's as good as ever. He's the second oldest quarterback in the NFL behind Brady. 
and the deal is a bad deal, except you made the deal. So the only way the deal could be a bad deal would be if Big Ben has fallen off more than you expected. Otherwise, you made this deal. So why would you need to renegotiate it? To me, I don't know if Ben's going to do it, but Ben's talking about playing for a million dollars, which would actually only save Pittsburgh, you know, uh, the because remember the twenty-one million. I think it saves him like eighteen or seventeen million. If Ben gives back seventeen just to play one more year, I actually would say he's shown too much loyalty to Pittsburgh. Now it's easy to say it. We'll see what happens, but boy, you can see why the owners don't get a lot of sympathy. Because with that, you know, the Steelers are saying something that makes no sense. Wouldn't you agree, Johnny? If he's playing as well as ever, then you'd be happy with the deal you made. And also, if he plays for a million dollars, I don't think it's going to make a lot of agents for quarterbacks around the NFL very happy. And but it will make the fans happy because <laughs> I, I still yeah. I still remember, and it will make. Me, I don't even know about that. I, I don't. I want him to make a gesture to acknowledge the reality of his play on the field. I don't want him not to make money. He's made a ton, but still. And and I'll say this last thing is Heinz Ward, a former Steeler, could have played one more year. He said, "Nah, because I don't want to wear any uniform but the Steelers." Now. Obviously, he had enough money to make that decision, and and smarty he was you know saved whatever he did. But there is something when a when a fan is willing to bleed for a team, if the players are, it makes us feel like a community, and when they're not, it doesn't. And I don't think you can underestimate how much that means. When we come back, we'll talk about the agents and the press, but then there's something more important. I teased it yesterday. My my NBA 12 to 1, oh my G, future bet of the year. I, I literally am giving that next. And he's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted. And it's money making time next here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And RJ, we do have a big bet in the NBA that you are going to announce. You teased it yesterday. But with all the discussion about quarterbacks potentially on the move in the NFL, it makes you wonder, what is the strategy some of these agents will take? You know, uh, Bernie Fratto, who hosts the weekend straight out of Vegas, walked in. And we're kind of like a Paris cafe here. Judges broadcast and people walk in. (laughs) I kind of like it. And... He, you know, as we were talking, I said a phrase that kind of hit me like, that's the truth. Dak Prescott, this time next year, all things are equal, will be in the most powerful position any NFL player has been in the history of the league. At a time when quarterback matters more, when he's unquestionably a top 10 quarterback, we can debate where he's at, but he's top 10, and he would have total freedom. Assuming Dallas' third tag is just financially crazy. That would be the most powerful player ever when it comes to what he can command because he'd be able to go somewhere without any resources you know, being traded back. I mean, Dallas would lose probably as badly as any team has ever lost, and Dak would be in the strongest position. And we won't have time to dig into this. We will next week. But don't forget, what are the interests of the participants in any, any endeavor – the media's interest is drama and story, the narrative, something to talk about. 
So what happens? You're seeing the, the media in general do things that encourage more drama, more stories. Okay? And what are the agent's motivation? It's to make money, yes, but to become famous. If you're Ari Gold, if you're a famous agent, you get a lot more, many more clients than if you're not famous. So now you've got agents motivated to do new things, high-risk things, because they're diversified, right? As long as they can talk the, the player into it. And you've got the media encouraged. So in both cases, we're leading to more and more drama. I think the Seattle situation is a good example where if it weren't for the media, maybe this isn't even not only not a story, but as big of a deal. But the kind of he said, she said of it gets escalated by the media. We'll break that down. But... We can't make him wait anymore for the bet, Jonas. Yeah, and you teased it yesterday. You've got a blockbuster in the NBA moving forward. And if I'm not mistaken, this is to win a division title, if memory serves me correct. That is correct. It's to win the Pacific Division. Now, a lot of people are saying, what the heck's that? I agree with you. I mean, there is There are divisions in the NBA that most people don't think about, I don't think about very often. There's three key teams in the Pacific. The Lakers, the Clippers, and the Phoenix Suns. You can get right now 12 to 1 odds on the Phoenix Suns to win the Pacific Division. Now, there's one place, FanDuel, you can get a 16 to 1. So this, there's good numbers out there, but 12 to 1, I bet it, Fezzik bet it. We put multiple thousands on it. We'll put the ticket out. Wait, what's the odds of this? I think the odds are about 6 to 1 or 7 to 1. So the first thing you need to realize is, we're going to lose this more. We're going to win it. But when you're getting 12 to 1, you only need, if you win it 10% of the time, you've made a lot of money in the long run. Why do I think the odds are better than 10%? Because I'm not sure if the Clippers or the Lakers care. I know LeBron, when AD's been out, has kind of stepped up. But in a way now, I'm not sure that continues. Because at some point, he, he'll fall out of the MVP probably, and he's dropping like a rock as we speak. And then he's going to be like, well, why should I be tired for the playoffs? Isn't the ultimate goal to win a title? And Utah's already got the number one pretty locked up. So if you're not going to be the number one seed, are you really caring about winning the Pacific? And then finally, the last issue is late in the year, it might be they're jockeying for position to lose to not play each other, the Clippers and the Lakers, in the next round. And then finally, Phoenix has one of the best records in the league since the bubble started. This Phoenix team is surging. You're getting 12 to 1, Phoenix to win the Pacific. If you missed any of today's show, including that best bet in the NBA, plus a closer look at the situations for Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We're back on Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, right here on FSR. Right out of Vegas! 